We're going to share here for a little bit, and um, we're going to move through some things. We've been teaching on effective prayer, or how to be effective when we pray. And uh, we have noticed, as we have been reading scriptures, that our effectiveness in prayer is not always on us. I mean, not always on God, but I'm sorry, I said that backwards. It is on us often, more than we might think. And a lot of times uh, people would say things like, man, if I lived in the earth when Jesus was here, I would have gotten, you know, all these miracles and all these things too. But we're going to see that even Jesus, when he ministered, there were things that he couldn't get into people's life. Now, we know he raised the dead. We know he cast out devils. We know he healed the sick. We know he walked on water. But there were times he kept trying to get other people to enter into these things, and some would, and some would fail. Most people know this, even if they're not a Christian, they've seen bumper stickers, you know, uh, if you think you're perfect, try walking on water. You know, and we know that was about Peter. But the issue I'm getting at is this, is that the things Jesus did, he kept trying to get over into people so they could experience it. But why was it that Peter couldn't walk on water? He started, but then the Bible talks about how unbelief got in, and then that unbelief began to hinder his ability to uh, produce the fruit that God wanted him to have in his life. And so the same thing is true about prayer and other areas that there are things we can learn, put into practice to become effective. And we're talking about being effective in prayer. So Colossians 4.1, and so like there were things that hindered back then, this may be one of the greater hindrances that's really mentioned in the New Testament uh, for people having answers to prayer. And we're going to get into this in just a second. So Colossians verse 2 says this continue earnestly in prayer being vigilant or watchful in it with thanksgiving notice he said be earnest or literally sincere and have intense conviction when you pray He's not talking about just some kind of loose prayer. You know, we we go to eat our meal. Oh, thank you, bless this food in Jesus' name. Amen. No, believe what you're going to pray. Be intense. That doesn't mean when you pray, you know, over your Subway sandwich at Subway, you start going, uh, Oh, Jesus, bless this Subway. These extra calories... You know, not, not, he didn't mean be intense like that, but what he's talking about is being intense, conviction, internal, amen? It'd be better just to leave it like that if we can't get another one, because I notice people have looked away, <laughs> looked away, and uh But we need to be intense means we need a heart engagement when we pray. Pray with real conviction, real sincerity when you talk to God. And that is a part of being effective in prayer. But if you notice, it says this. It tells us, it says, to pray with thanksgiving. 
not just pray, 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 but pray and connect it with thanksgiving. Why would you not pray, 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 pray? Why would you want to pray and then thank? Some people would hear me say this and say, well, and, and I'm not saying you can't pray long prayers or protracted prayers or where you pray for things again, but there is an element of learning to pray, and then when you've prayed, give thanks. And it's not just a formula, it's a reality. Meaning this, if I go to you or you come to me and say, can you send me this in the mail? And I say, okay, what would you do? Possibly say, thank you. Have you seen it yet? No, but you believe I have granted it. But, you know, if you don't see it immediately, you could say, hey, send that to me in the mail. I could say, well, I'm going to the mailbox, you know. It's only been three minutes. You know what I mean? Or I could say it's actually in the mail, but you keep asking. If you trust that I sent it, you can say thank you and believe it's been granted. Correct? And when we pray, prayer should be with trust. But the reason why often people are praying and praying and praying is not because they're trusting, but unbelief has come into their life. And what they're basically doing is not praying and trusting. They're praying and hoping it will happen. Like if I pray a bunch, eventually God will give it. But that's not how prayer works. We don't just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And the minute we see a change, go there, God did it. That is actually not trust. That is not faith. And the way prayers get answered is when we trust. Technically what that is, is when we pray about something and don't see an immediate change and think, and the thoughts come, it's not yours, it hasn't been granted. Do you know what that is? If we're not taught, we may not know. That's called unbelief. How do you know it wasn't granted the minute you prayed? Jesus said when you pray, believe the minute you pray that you receive it, that it's granted. And then you'll have it. It's interesting that people don't recognize that when they pray, we're communicating in the spirit realm. And when we talk to God, we need to realize the minute we pray and we believe, God has begun to work. Unbelief says it hasn't happened, it's not yours, it's not working. Because maybe we haven't seen an immediate change. Maybe there's a still a little bit of pain. But here's the thing. I've prayed with people and they say, oh wow, almost all the pain is gone. And then they'll start talking about the pain they have and it'll come back. Because they're not trusting they've received. But I've seen other people where 90% of the pain left and they say, well, when we prayed, I got it. 
And when they stay there believing that, it will begin to show forth. And I've seen, and you probably can attest to the same thing, wonderful miracles that way. Here's the thing. If we treated medicine like we do prayer, there'd be people overdosed all over the place. Meaning this, if you had a headache and you read the instructions and it said, take one with water, let's say, you know, to, or however you can get it down if it doesn't get stuck in your throat. But anyway, you put it in, you take that aspirin, and if you just look at your body immediately, you might go, I still have a headache. I still got this pain. I need another one. Two minutes pass. I need another one. Three minutes pass. I need another one. And then after 15 minutes, you've had 15 or 20, and then you're like, oh, I'm starting to feel something. My headache's starting to leave. Yeah, you're, you're, you, you, you've done this wrong. Because you didn't trust the minute you took it, it was working. But if you do believe it's working the minute you take it, you're not going to be uh, taking 10 more. If somebody said, how's it going? I already took an aspirin. And you know that, that the effect is yours or will affect you, that you know it will work. But how many people think that they just need to pray and pray and pray, and the minute they feel something's changed, then they trust God has done something. That is not the way we're called to pray. Really, what people don't realize is uh, people are invested in unbelief more than they know. Jesus said this in Mark eleven twenty three that whosoever would say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and wouldn't doubt in his heart, but would believe the things he says would come to pass, he'd have whatever he say. But notice he said, would not doubt in his heart. Often when Jesus was dealing with people, he would tell them to not doubt or not have unbelief. Now, unbelief can come from different ways. There may be more, but I see three ways that unbelief are in people. And they have to be dealt with. One is people have no knowledge, and therefore they um, just act contrary. They don't, they don't know to believe or that they can trust. So they have unbelief belief based on ignorance. But then there are people who have been taught wrong spiritually. And they have unbelief that's like a religious unbelief. Like you just pray, pray, pray and make God. That could produce unbelief because there's no trust often in that. Are you with me? Jesus, when he spoke to the fig tree, he cursed it. He quit looking at it and that was what he said happened. He didn't doubt in his heart. But what would cause doubt? What does doubt look like? Could you spot doubt? Could I spot doubt? Somebody might say, yeah, I could spot doubt. No problem. Here's what doubt would look like. It would speak to you thoughts, ideas, suggestions 
would come to your mind or, you know, through your feelings that would say, nothing's changed, you don't have it, it's not been granted. Like I say, okay, I'm going to pray for so-and-so, my relative, uh, that they would change, uh, that God would work on them. And, and I look at them and go, man, God hasn't answered that prayer. I pray again. No, trust would say, God is working because I acted regardless of how they're acting. Anybody who would uh, be honest in their Christian life, at some point, you struggled with obeying God. There's been a temptation. And uh, that's not saying you're wicked or anything. They're just, you were tempted. How many of us have known to do something and we struggled with it maybe for a day, a week, or maybe a month? Maybe two months. I don't want to keep going. But you know what that looks like. You go, I want to do that. But then these thoughts just push in and go, don't do it. Now's not the time. You're missing out. This is just not what you want to do. You know, you could wait till later. That is unbelief. And what it does is it robs us from walking in a spiritual path and believing something spiritual, and it pulls us to walking in unbelief and in the natural. Are you with me? And so we all know what that looks like if you're saved. If you've given your life to the Lord, at some point, God dealt with you to do something, and there was a battle. I know I need to do this. I know I need to do it. And then all the thoughts that come are unbelief that say, no, you don't need to do that now. Uh, how, how are you going to survive if you do that? Where's the money going to come from? Where are you going to live? What are you going to do for friends? You know, what, what are you going to do about this? All this stuff will flood you. And what it is is unbelief is coming against your mind or maybe through your feelings but inside, there can be faith. And you have a choice which way you're going to go. And this same principle works when we pray. I prayed, Lord, do this. And if I don't see it, those same thoughts are going to come. They're called unbelief. To get me to side in and say, God didn't do it. God's not doing it. It's not happening. And, and want me to side in. If I side in, it cuts things off. It short circuits prayer. So these two kinds of unbelief, meaning unbelief through ignorance, unbelief through wrong understanding wrong religious thinking, can be remedied by the truth. The third kind is the kind we're already talking about, is there is an unbelief that comes through circumstances that haven't immediately lined up with what you prayed or you believe. That kind of unbelief, uh, the disciples dealt with it. Turn with me to Matthew 17. I think everybody has dealt with this kind of unbelief and these kinds of things. 
If you've ever endeavored to grow with God, there have been things that have said, you don't need to go to church. You could go next week. You don't need to do this spiritual discipline. You can do that later. Are you with me? No, nobody's ever dealt with that. It's because we're all so spiritual. But when you run into somebody, maybe we're fine about going to church every week. But maybe God deals with us, you know, you need to be praying. And the thoughts and the feelings. You ever tried to pray and you didn't feel like it? You ever been to the grocery store? I'm going to get this real easy. Anybody ever been to Walmart? Or, you know, one of those big stores? And you, ha you see that kid in the store? This is never yours. But their kid that you say, you can't have that. And that kid writhes around on the ground like they're demon-possessed. Whoa, you know, you know, and you're like, you can't have that. Are you with me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, be honest, how many of you have dealt with yourself like that? Oh, we're not going to do that. Yes, we are. Oh, yes, we are. And unbelief just... And really what it is, is it's because we get so influenced by the natural. And our body has so much sway in our life. And this kind of unbelief has to be dealt with too. No, nobody's looking happy about this. But this will help you. All right? Matthew 17. And we're going to look at this in Jesus dealt with this kind of unbelief and talked to us. And spiritual disciplines help this kind of unbelief that we're talking about. Are you with me? If anybody is ever going to grow with the Lord, you're going to have to deal with this kind of stuff because there are going to be voices, and I don't mean like weird voices out there, but the thoughts are going to come to your head and going to go, this is not the time to do that, or I don't feel God moving, you know, after two seconds of praying, I quit. I'm going to go once. This. Or all of a sudden, you know, you haven't washed the dishes in six months, but now you're going to pray, and the thought comes, you need to get up and wash the dishes now. <laughs> I mean, now. Before it was a science project. Now, you know, you got to get up and do it now. And you're like, no, I'm going to pray. And 30 seconds later, you're up washing the dishes. Nobody, some of you are looking awful like innocent right now. Everybody deals with this kind of stuff. But it is a way to deal with this third kind of unbelief. Matthew 17, 19. I'm going to cut into a story. Jesus is up on a mountain. He's praying. He has been transfigured. He has Peter, James, and John with him. Man, they've seen a miracle I mean, they saw this vision. But down the hill are the other disciples. Well, they're, they're there. A man with a demon-possessed boy. A child comes and uh, brings him to the disciples and said, Hey, will you uh, cast this spirit out? And the, they go to attempt to do it. 
and then the child starts writhing around in the ground and, and then they don't get deliverance from this kid. Somebody might say, well, maybe they needed more power or something like that. No, in Matthew 10, Jesus had already given them authority over all unclean spirits. They had been doing this. Now they failed to get an answer to a prayer. And so Jesus, if we'll look at this, I believe, in a second, he, when he came down, uh, ended up having to deal with this. But look at this. Chapter 17, verse 19. We'll jump right in. Then the disciples came to him privately and said, this is after they failed to get this answer to prayer, and said, why could we not cast it out? See, they had been having success, but now they failed. I mean, I don't know about you, if, we're never, if you were never getting answers, you wouldn't come for one prayer and go, why aren't I getting answers, Lord, this answer? No, they, were, they had been getting results and getting results. As a matter of fact, this is the first time it says they didn't get a result. And he said, because of your unbelief. Well, if you read the story, they attempted to cast the devil out. But then they saw the child fall on the ground and writhe and start tossing himself around. And they got in unbelief. Do you know that happened to Jesus? Even when he went to cast the devil out of this kid, the kid fell on the ground and started writhing around. Jesus wasn't even moved by it. If you read the story, he just said, think about it. Most people would freak out and start going, you come out, you stop it. And they started responding one way. Jesus responded differently when the child fell on the ground. You know what Jesus did? He just ignored the child. He said, now how long has this been happening? Somebody's like, you got to do something. No, Jesus showed us how to do it, and he didn't freak out. And he got results. Are you with me? But so often people are, you know, just moved by every feeling and everything they see. And they're not moved by God. And they're really just been flooded with unbelief. How do you deal with that kind of unbelief? And the disciples were dealing with this kind of unbelief. And he said, how come we couldn't? And he said, because of your unbelief. Gee, thanks. But aren't you glad that he told them? Because then we could learn something. He said, for assuredly I say to you that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be removed and be, uh, be removed from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So notice he put the emphasis to getting the results on them. He said, if you had faith, you could say... If you just had only faith, you could say and it would obey you. But notice he said you have faith and you have unbelief. Now somebody might say, how can you have faith and unbelief? Well, we know that the father actually had faith and unbelief. If you go read this same story in Mark 9, 24, when Jesus, because the father said to Jesus, Hey, I tried to get your disciples to do it. They couldn't. Here, you do it. Jesus said, 
what do you mean? And he said, if you can do anything, do it. And he said, what do you mean if I can? He said, you have to believe. And you know what the father said? He, he cornered him, or the father gave and divulged the very thing that he said was the problem in the disciples too. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. What does unbelief look like? If I don't see immediately something change, I'm moved. <sighs> it's not happening. God didn't do it. But it's interesting how often when Jesus would cast a demon out, sometimes it tells us he would tell it to come out, but then after the kid would fall on the ground, the person would fall around and writhe around and throw the person, or the Bible says would tear them and then come out. But see, the minute they didn't see just calm and the demons started throwing him and tearing him, they started acting in unbelief. The minute you pray and all of a sudden something doesn't go in line with what you feel, we don't need to respond in unbelief. I mean, something could be throwing, so to speak. I've said that about the, the election, you know. Once we got certain people in office, I said, it's just the demon, you know. Once people get thrown out, it's, they're just tearing. I didn't say which group, didn't say who. But anybody who lines up with God and his ways is right. If you're not sure who God wants to be in the, in the government office, Go read the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Say, so what do you mean? Remember, Satan took one Jesus up and said, I'll give you all these governments. They will all come into your hand. They've been given to me. He wasn't lying because Satan is the God of this world until Jesus returns. And he told him, here's, here's all you have to do for you to be my candidate. He said, bow down and worship me and then I'll give it to you. Who Satan wants is the one who bows most to him. The one God wants is the one who bows most to him. I didn't say the person who God wants is perfect. God said about King David, he's a man after my own heart, and he committed adultery. Now, I'm not endorsing that with a candidate. I'm just saying God's not about socialism, communism. He's not. You can't find that in the Bible. He's about prospering people. But praise the Lord before we get in trouble here. Still the truth. Are you with me? If you just do some studying about communism and socialism, why is Cuba freaking out right now? Those people are tired of being oppressed. I, I met some missionaries that were driven out right at the time Castro's regime took over, and they would sneak back in at times. And this is in the 80s I met this person and heard them, and they said it's like time stood still. The higher-up people, they promised free stuff to everybody. It's only the top that gets it now. He said all the rest are all in bondage. And they're tired of it. Well, hallelujah. But we'll, we'll just go back here because we're talking about unbelief, right? Not about politics. But understand this. 
there are battles out there. There's battles we face, and we need to deal with unbelief. And if we can deal with unbelief in our own lives, we will get victories. Are you with me? And so he said that, he said to them, I better get back here, 19, because uh, there's donuts in the lobby. Oh, but this will be a great exercise for uh, denying those voices, you know, that say, I need to eat now or I'm going to starve to death. You ever done that? You know, fasting and prayer are actually the remedy for this kind of unbelief. Certain spiritual disciplines. If you want to know how strong your body, uh, the voice of your body, which is unbelief, uh, has in your life, just say, um, I'm not going to watch TV for two weeks. I'm not going to eat sweets for two weeks. Um, I'm going to pray every day for 30 minutes, and I'm not going to do this. And watch what your body will do. Ah! That kid in Walmart is now the kid at your house. But what are you doing when you discipline yourself like that? You're allowing the kid to scream, and you're ignoring him. You're not allowing that unbelief to drive your life through your feelings. This is how you grow. I could be standing right here, and right now, the unbelief could be screaming. But I'm just going to keep on. After a while, you learn to not answer and respond to that unbelief, those feelings. And then what you're really doing when you're learning to deal with it here is it will translate in other areas when you start praying and believing God. The minute a feeling comes and goes, you don't have it. It's that same old voice that through your body that has been going, you need to get up. You can't do this. You'll die if you stop eating sugar at this time. This is the truth. I was engaged when I first got saved. And, uh, and I told this girl, I'm not going to party anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. And she, she, and she is a very good example of even my flesh and yours. Watch. Here's what she said. Congratulations. This is a good decision for you to serve God. No, she didn't say that. And neither does my flesh or yours. But she said... How could you do this to me? I'm like, I didn't do anything to you. I just did this from, you know, I just gave my life to the Lord. How could you do this? How could you take this from me? Just decide you're not going to do certain things. And the, your flesh and these thoughts of unbelief will go, how could you take this from me? I've had a relationship with ho-hos and ding-dongs and fruit pie the magician for years. And you're going to tell me we're not doing this anymore? Well, I think we should number and not do 20 a day, maybe one. Let's get to that. But you ever notice you have one, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, let's have more. Let's have a party. We're all here, me, you. Let's have more. And you have to deal with that unbelief. And some people think it's so natural, but it's the same way you're going to deal with unbelief. The same cry that you ignore there and proceed down the correct path 
is what's going to help you on the other. And I am convinced of this. This works for Christians. God deals with all Christians. He will deal with you to have your priorities right. He'll even deal with you at times to spend extra time praying or doing different things. Why? Because he may be wanting you to pray something out, but he also may be helping you to train yourself because something may be coming that you're going to have to deal with some unbelief. And if you've already been disciplined uh, spiritually and gone against these voices, uh, you're going to be able to stand against those other voices. If not, you may have a cry on your hands more than you want. Hallelujah. This is going over great. Notice what he said, verse 21. He's talking about this unbelief and having faith. He said, however, this kind does not go out except for through prayer and fasting. Now, was he talking about the demon or was he talking about the unbelief? I would propose he's talking about the unbelief. Because nowhere in the Bible are we told to fast and pray to get a demon out. We're always told to use the name of Jesus in our faith. But to deal with unbelief and get it out of our life so it's only coming at us and not dominating us, he's going to deal with us to fast and pray. And it won't always be food. It may be a hobby it may be a friend. It may be a relationship you have with your TV. Just throw that out there. It could be any number of things. I mean, you know, some people's Christmas cards should be the husband, the wife, and the TV. Okay, maybe it shouldn't be. But it could be just as well, you know, Facebook, you and your wife. And if you just go, well, I'm not going to watch this right now. I'm not going to go on there right now. Oh, watch and see how much your flesh, that unbelief has a hold on your life. And you know how to deal with it? You act against it. Let it do its cry. Eventually, it will have very little wine. Hallelujah. This is why fasting and prayer, he said, is the cure. It's interesting to me that when Jesus came back, he was able to deal with it, but what had he had just got done doing? He had been praying. Why is fasting and prayer and I don't believe fasting always is about giving up food. But I guarantee you, if you just said, I'm not eating lunch today. Some people, if food is always gets to be put in your mouth and there is no, no stopping it, you, I'll tell you what, even if you said, I'm not eating for two hours. So I normally eat at 12, I'll eat at two. You might just find how much your flesh and unbelief is gone. Well, are you kidding? You can't do that to me. Who do you think you are? We've been in this for years and you're going to starve me to death? Okay, some of you are acting totally innocent. Somebody's like, I could do it and they'll just eat a half dozen donuts on the way out the door. And then at two o'clock they'll eat their meal. That's not what I'm saying. 
But we need to learn to discipline and not obey those voices, and it will help us to deal correctly in faith. And I'm going to close with these thoughts right here. In Luke 22:46, Jesus told Peter when he was about to face a test and a trial, and really unbelief was going to come to him, he said, and Jesus was about to face something where he was going to need to make some right decisions. And so what did he do? He went to pray, and it's interesting. If you read the story, the Lord was leading Peter not to fail. It said he took the whole 12. You have to look at all the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and see the stories. And he took all the 12, and then he said, sit here. Then he took three with him, and then he told them, you guys watch and pray. Well, I go pray, and he went and prayed, and he came back, and they were sleeping, and he only corrected one, Peter. And he said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, those voices that come against you, uh, you know, to, to get you to cave in to circumstances, there's a weakness in that area. You're not, that's not where your strength lies. He said, pray. So you don't enter in or act on the wrong thing or get into unbelief. So he said, pray. And he went back and did it three times and he kept not praying. And guess what happened? When the thing came, Jesus made it. Peter didn't. Didn't mean God didn't love him. But he wanted him to succeed. He wants us to succeed. And that's why spiritual disciplines are huge. Because you, to walk in spiritual disciplines, have to deny certain things. And there will be voices that will give you every reason why you shouldn't do that spiritual thing. Or why you shouldn't put that away or control that. Are you with me? And if we do it, it will help us. And really, technically, when we're doing it there, we're going to learn how to deal with unbelief when we are doing spiritual things. One last thing. James 5.13 says, Is any man tempted or being pressured to go down the wrong path? He said, Let him pray. Why? Because you learn these disciplines of prayer... For you to sit 20 minutes and, now you, and pray, for some people, that would be a huge spiritual exercise. They go to pray, and after five minutes, they'd be like, ah, I'm done. Or 10 minutes, I'm done. But what if you just practice that for 10 minutes a day? Not in a religious sense, but just for the sake of, I'm not going to allow these voices and feelings and emotions to dominate me. You know, after a while, you're going to start getting control. You're, and you're going to be praying to a God you don't see, don't feel, though you will be able to commune with Him, and He will commune with you, and you will get more sensitive to Him and His dealings. As you exercise yourself, you might just think, well, this is just, you know, a lot of work. Eventually, it will pay off huge dividends. At the same time, it will help you in your unbelief or unbelief dominating you. Everybody okay? This, now, this is like regular exercise. 
I'm going to close with this. You can't compensate for not doing it in the past. Meaning this. Man, I haven't been working out. and These pants are not fitting me. I'm going to run for 20 hours today. Get it all out of the way this month. Uh, no, that's not how it works. It can be detrimental to you. It can be counterproductive that way. But if I say, okay, now what I'm going to do, and here's the thing, you're not even naturally going to start exercising for an hour a day. Try that if you haven't done it a while. But let's just say you start out, you know, with a little bit and start doing it three or four times a week. After a month or two, you'll start seeing the results. Well, the same thing is true with this. This isn't just a one-time pray, though one-time praying would be better than none. But if you would use this as a kind of a way of life, you, you would be benefited when it comes to unbelief, when it comes to praying and giving thanks, and not praying, 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 because you don't see, because all the feelings are going, it's not working, it's not working, You've already gone against all those voices that come against you. You're going to go, nah, whatever. Just like you do with other disciplines.